Thanks, Todd, for passing that out. Just a little outline for the message. Okay. Um, where can I put this that I won't forget it? Uh, by the way, if you're wondering where Jerome's Bible commentary is, here it is. So. Okay. I'm going to put this here. Hope that's not distracting, but I'd rather not drive home without it. But I, I, I bring it up because at some point in time, I'm going to need those reading glasses. I've never had to preach in them. I think the adrenaline uh, kicks in, but some days I have to read with them. I, I need them for reading, and some days I don't. This morning I did. Whoa, just kidding. <laughs> I'm okay at this moment. Uh, but... Um, Someday I'm going to come up front and say, I really need those. And uh, this morning I was having a little trouble. It's, it's rough getting old. <laughs> what did Norm and say? It's rough getting old. He said, no, it's, uh, or wait, what, what was it? He'd say it's, oh, yeah, he'd say it's rough getting old. And somebody told him, yeah, but it's better than the alternative. <laughs> and he said, no, it's not, <laughs> uh, which for us believers, he's right. Um, okay, I will need this. All right. Well, great, great to, to join you. I appreciate the opportunity to open the word with you. Um, let's see, I always get asked to give a little something about my kids. Andrew, my oldest, is moving to Florida soon, so that's great. Um, uh, Caleb and Kennedy, Caleb, my youngest, uh, and his wife are moving to the Tampa area. Um, soon. Thank you, Todd. Um, Linda has been going through some tests. She had 12 vials of blood drawn from her on Thursday. <laughs> so please pray for her. The doctor wanted to check all sorts of things because she's been in a lot of pain. And um, anyway, so she's getting taking care of herself there, trying to figure out why she's in so much pain. Um, sh we know some of it. She's got arthritis in her, her thumbs. So anyway, and maybe, maybe some other arthritis. So, uh, okay. So let's have a word of prayer and then we'll get, get started. Dear Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be together and to fellowship with one another. Thank you, Father, for this wonderful, uh, this wonderful body here, Atlantic Gospel Chapel, and, uh, the, the dear brothers and sisters here and good friends, um, here and the opportunity you've given me to, to be fellowship with them and to open the word. Thank you, Lord, that you cared enough to give us this precious Bible and that we could study it, help us to do so now and all throughout the week and to learn from it and to grow from it. Help us to appreciate you more, to hate sin more, to love you more, um, to live more like Jesus and we pray these things in his name. Amen. I have, uh, as you can tell, a message to go through in Lamentations chapter 3. Before that, I thought, you know, it probably is fitting to think a little bit just about what's going on in Israel. Uh, Linda yesterday morning called and said, hey, did you hear about what's going on in Israel? I had not. So, um, but uh, pretty awful stuff. A few hundred people last, I haven't heard an update from whatever took place overnight, but as of last night, a few hundred people had been killed, um, a thousand or so 
more injured. Um, it sounded like dozens of people cap, uh, captured, which adds tremendously to the complexity of the whole situation. Um, Israel would have no trouble wiping out um, Hamas or, or whatever. And I don't pretend to know a lot about all of that stuff. But um, anyway, Hamas attacked Israel. And so what do, what do they do? Um, and they're, ver they're relatively quite powerful, powerful militarily. Of course, the question many will ask, is this a sign? Okay, finally, is this a sign? The Lord's going to come. This must be a sign that the Lord's going to come, right? Really soon. The pro here's the problem. It's not really any, any more than the, the flipping of the calendar. You know, they're switching to a new day. Every day is another day. We're closer to the rapture. So, what's, I, and I'm not an eschatological scholar, but this is my understanding of what's going to happen or some of what's going to happen is the very next event on the biblical calendar, so to speak, is the rapture. And then the, uh, the rapture, and then there will be the seven-year tribulation, and then the Lord Jesus will come clear to earth. So when the rapture happens, he doesn't come clear to earth. We will meet the Lord in the air, 1 Thessalonians 4 says. So we will meet him in the air. We will, those of us who are in Christ Jesus will go up there and be with the Lord while terrible stuff is happening here on earth. What happened yesterday in Israel is, is small compared to the terrible stuff that will go on in the tribulation period. Horrible, horrible times. Um, at the end of the tribulation, the Lord Jesus will come clear to, to earth, and uh, then um, he will bring in the, millennial, uh, the millennium, a time of, of great peace. And then there will be a final rebellion at the end, and then, then the uh, eternal state, if you will. Uh, but the rapture is the next step, but there's no telling exactly when it's going to happen. So the fact that these, this happened in Israel, doesn't, that's not what brings us closer. It's not like the Lord is saying, as soon as Israel is attacked by a terrorist group, now the rapture can happen. It could have happened two days ago as far as the needing any prophecies fulfilled. Now, it, it does point to the fact that, yeah, uh, stuff could happen re real quickly in Israel and um, the events of the tribulation, you know, we're all set for the tribulation events, but those could happen quickly anyway. So um, as far as it being a sign that now we can know for sure it's going to be really soon, the, the rapture is going to happen. No, I do expect it'll be soon. I do expect it'll be in my lifetime, but we don't know for sure. Um, I hope it's, I hope I don't finish this sermon. I hope we all go up to be with the Lord then. Or I, I was thinking as I was driving here yesterday, uh, driving on the highway, uh, wouldn't it be great if the rapture happens and my car goes zoop, straight ahead? And uh, what would happen there? Except that it'd be sad. It might hit somebody, so that wouldn't be very, very good. But, um, but uh, anyway, who knows? We don't know. And um, so 
I wouldn't say this is really a, a, a sign in that way that it's, it's happening because it has always been uh, imminent is the word that we, we use a lot of the time to say it could happen at any moment. We're, it's not like now we know it could happen at any moment. We already knew that it could happen at any moment. Some wonder, should we take Israel's side? I mean, besides the fact that they were attacked, Hamas attacked Israel, so it would t make sense for us to take Israel's side. But on the, uh, another thing is, and actually this, this verse was mentioned in the first meeting today in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The Lord spoke to Abram, the, the founder, if you will, of, of uh, the nation of Israel. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And so we have consistently in America, not perfectly, but consistently, we have stood for Israel. And um, uh, that was wise of us to do so. And there is still this nation, the physical people of Israel is still precious to God. And you read in Romans chapter 9 through 11, there's still a future for, for Israel. I'll just read a few verses along those lines. And as Isaiah predicted, if the Lord of hosts had not left us offspring, we would have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. But... Israel did not, is not like Sodom and Gomorrah. We'd still have offspring, and, and uh, there are still many Israelites out there throughout the world, and especially in Israel. Um, Romans 11, I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means, for I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew, do you not know what the scripture says to Elijah, how he appeals to God against Israel, and so on? Um, but uh, you see that he's speaking about the literal physical people by uh, a descendant of Abraham. Verse 15, for if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? So many, many Israelites will get saved. And you do see that in um, the book of Revelation, 12,000 of every tribe at least. Um, Romans 11, verses 26 through 28. And in this way, all Israel will be saved, as it is written. The deliverers will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As regards the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. And anyway, so you do see that there will be, there's a, uh, an, a future for Israel. Another reason why we should take Israel's, or that maybe, I don't know, it's maybe not strong evidence of this, but anyway, it, Satan has consistently taken an anti-Israel view, right? So if, if Satan's against Israel, we probably ought to be for Israel, right? I mean, always Satan has tried to, to end Israel, and it goes on, it's in the Bible times, and it's been even since then as well, and Seems like that is still taking place uh, as, uh, still today. Um, some some would, would, would say, well, you're, 
Jesus said to turn the other cheek, and so Israel shouldn't fight back, right? Well, he said turn the other cheek. Blessed are the peacemakers. Well, that's where I think it's important to remember he, that Jesus was speaking to individuals, not to the leaders of government. So in Romans chapter 13, we do see something that the government's job is. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. So you do see government having authority to bear the sword, or I think we can, it's fair to say, the gun, the missile, etc., to use uh, weapons to carry out vengeance, as it says, to protect its citizens, and so on. So different from, not that we can't protect the ones we love, but is if um, uh, certainly we have that responsibility, but as far as on a personal level, it's different from the re re uh, responsibility that the government has to uh, protect uh, its citizens. So pray for Jerusalem, and um, now I'd like to turn to our passage today. Uh, which is Lamentations chapter 3. The last two times I've been with you, we've been in the book of Lamentations. Um, you know this song. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies shall never come to an end. Don't you know that, Ned? Serious? You've never heard that? I just... <laughs> I've told that too often. Yeah, they are new every morning, new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. You have never heard that until today? Wow, I'm shocked. Okay, anyway. Uh, all right, I am from the West Coast. Maybe that's it. I don't know. But it comes straight from Scripture, Right from one of those beautiful psalms, right, that's just filled with praise for the Lord, right? No, you know where that song came from? We, what passage of scripture that came from? That came from a book that is filled with accounts of violence, of disease, of starvation, of killing, of burning, um, of things that are so bad, uh, even to even cannibalism comes out in this book. That's how bad it is, and yet this song, this verse, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, in uh, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22, his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So, you all have um, endured chapters one and two with me, and I appreciate that. I haven't heard too many complaints, um, and, and I appreciate that because it's, it's not easy reading Lamentations one and two, or for that matter, Lamentations four and five, or for that matter, most of chapter three. Lamentations is not an easy book. It's a hard book, and it's a sad book, 
Of course, la lamentations, lament, it's sorrowful. Funeral dirges, you might say. Anyway, I'd like to go through Lamentations chapter 3 with you. Uh, and, in, and we all go through tr troubled times. I mentioned Linda. Oh, she, is she, is she wakes up in pain and it's gotten a lot better the last several days. We're thankful for that. And she told me, it's been four and a half days since I've had pain medicine. So that's awfully good. But anyway, sometimes she has pain. We all have troubles. You know, for some it's, it's financial, for some it's physical, for some it's relationship issues or all sorts of different things that we have troubles. And when we have troubles, we can do the same thing that, that Jeremiah did, and that's to hope in the Lord. Um, just a little reminder, chapter 1 of Lamentations showed that God does not take sin lightly, neither should we. Chapter 2, that God fulfills his threats. We always remember that he fulfills his promises, but he also fulfills his threats. And number three, here we see hope in the midst of suffering. Or you might say chapter 1 is Jerusalem is desolate. Chapter 2 is God's judgment on Jerusalem. And then we see Jeremiah's response. Jerusalem is desolate. God's judgment Jeremiah's response, which is to hope in the Lord. <clears throat> okay, let's look at Lamentations chapter 3. And you'll see in, in the handout <clears throat> here are three sections. The first is the condition of the prophet, Jeremiah. And really, uh, Jeremiah is taking the place of, he's, he's talking about himself, but really he's talking about Jerusalem. Remember that that Jeremiah for decades, I believe it was 40 years, that Jeremiah had prophesied to the people of Judah, the southern kingdom, uh, and especially Jerusalem, but the southern kingdom of God's people, the north had already been defeated in 722 B.C. by the Assyrians, and they had been scattered. But the southern kingdom... Um, down south, the, that includes Jerusalem, they had been uh, prophesied to by, by Jeremiah. And yet people had not repented, and he had said, turn away from your wickedness, turn away from idolatry. They hadn't turned away from it. And so God did what he said he would do and sent the Babylonians and the army for, for uh, 18 months, surrounded Jerusalem, wouldn't let anybody in or out. And the uh, re result was the starvation, the, 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 uh, the mass, massive numbers of deaths. And um, then at the end of that time, Babylon finally uh, breaking through and destroying the city and destroying the, the temple and, and uh, taking many people captive and many people uh, were, were killed as well. So... Now Jeremiah the prophet is looking at Jerusalem, looking as if he's looking down from a hill, but um, looking at the, the city and lamenting. I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. And remember in Psalm 23, there were two things that the good shepherd carried, his staff and his rod. Right, and the rod was more like uh, shaped more like a baseball bat, I think, and it was 
It was used to protect against, uh, against wolves and such. And I suppose would have also been used as a disciplinary tool, perhaps. And, and it sounds like that's what it w- was used for for Jeremiah, for the people of Judah. I am a man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. One of our hymns we sing in the black book says, Jehovah lifted up his rod. O Christ, it fell on thee. So this is maybe a little way of foreshadowing, if you will, the, the Lord Jesus taking the rod of his Father's wrath for us. I guess you could say Jeremiah here, um, who was not a perfect person, but in a sense, he, he was not an idolater, so he didn't have to repent of that sin and yet suffered with the people of Judah, maybe on a limited to a limited extent might be considered a, an, an example here of, of the Lord Jesus. He suffered under the wrath of God. He has, uh, he has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. And you see how Jeremiah is saying that God had inflicted the, his wrath on me. Look what God has done to me. And he's not saying it in a complaining fashion as far as I can tell, but he certainly is reporting what the Lord has done to him. His hand was against me again and again the whole day long. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. And people, uh, we we emphasize the love of God, but there there is the wrathful, even harsh side of the Lord as well, and we need to keep that in mind. Last week at, at my home church, I spoke on the fear of God. Lynn and I attend Great Adventure Church where Mike and Julie and the kids attend. And uh, so Mike's uh, in charge of the preachers, and once in a while I, I get to speak. So last week I spoke on the fear of God. Boy, this passage ought to strike the fear of God in people, right? If Jeremiah of all people and if Judah of all people groups can suffer terribly, well, you know, we should hold, we should have a deep, deep respect for the Lord as well. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy. Look how hopeless it, it appears to be. To Jeremiah, he has made my chains heavy. I can't get away from this. He has walled me about. Though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with blocks of stones. He has made my paths crooked. And boy, the Lord is making it difficult here for him. Still talking about the Lord. He is a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. And a bear lying in wait or a lion in hiding is, is not 
sneaking up to cuddle, <laughs> is it? He's attacking and uh, doing violence. He has turned aside my steps and tore me to pieces. He has made me desolate. He bent his bow and set me as a target for his arrow. As if, okay, he's like a lion, he's like a bear, he's like a hunter. And he was a successful hunter. Verse 13, he drove into my kidneys the arrows of his quiver. Went right into me. You just see the, the, the physical harm there. I have become the laughingstock of all peoples, the object of their taunts all day long. We noticed this a little bit also in the first meeting, didn't we? He has filled me with, witter, uh, with bitterness and sated me with wormwood. He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. What does this mean, my, made my teeth grind on gravel? Where is gravel? In the ground, right? How do your teeth grind in, unless it's your mouth is in the ground? Now, this whole passage, you see the, the uh, pain that the Lord is inflicting on Jeremiah, on the people of Judah. And here's the picture of teeth grinding in gravel. It looks to me, it sounds to me as if the Lord is holding Jeremiah's head down in the ground, in the gravel, moving it around. So he is, the Lord is, is inflicting a lot of pain on, on Jeremiah as he did so on the people of Judah. He has made my teeth grind and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace I have forgotten what happiness is. You can sure see that because this is what God did to me. He made my teeth grind on gravel. And um, yeah, I think like I, I say, you know, people, we always want to emphasize the love of God, but we also need to remember there's another, God is more than, more than love. He's a just God, and he's a God who punishes. Who, he's a God who disciplines his children. Jesus took all the punishment for our sin at the cross. But, and for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, we don't have to fear the punishment of God. But the discipline of God is a real thing, right? And Hebrews speaks of this. And that uh, a, a father disciplines the son he loves. And so the father, God the father disciplines us. And um, that should make us a little, maybe a little uneasy, a little aware of things. And quick to confess our sins and quick to, quick to notice our sins and to avoid them in the future and to turn away from them. Anyway... God did this to me, he says. This is my condition, he says. My soul is bereft of peace. I'm just hopeless and helpless. I feel awful because of all this that the Lord has done to me. So I say my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. Mm, he, I'm just miserable, hopeless, have depressed, 
Remember my afflictions and my wandering, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. Mm. So you, you feel what he is feeling. He is feeling, he is feeling um, attacked by God. He is feeling like God is doing this, making him miserable. And as a result, he feels hopeless. And so what does he do? And so I have on my notes, think theologically. And we are, we people in general, are emotional beings, right? Some of us more than others, but we tend to be emotional people and we get upset about this or we get confused about things or we get sad about things or we get angry about things. And sometimes we need to just think, and we should always think theologically, and especially when things seem hopeless and absolutely miserable, think theologically. And that's what, what Jeremiah does. I am miserable. Look what God has done. It, this is horrible. And this is what he does. He thinks theologically. This I call to mind. And so that's a, a good phrase for us, to call to mind who the Lord is. Yeah, there's room for mourning or celebrating, room for being upset, room for being sad. That's fine. No negating that. Um, Jeremiah just spent a whole bunch of verses expressing his feelings. But doesn't take them long to call to mind some very important stuff. Therefore, this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. If you call to mind who the Lord is, that's what gives us hope. Uh, yeah, so there's, you can find hope in a lot of things. Hope that, that uh, Israel's military is powerful. Great. Hope that we live in America and it's a powerful nation. Great. You know, we can find hope and happiness for a few minutes on that. But this is what ultimately gives us hope, and, and this is a long-lasting hope and a certain hope, that, uh, and, and that is the Lord. This is what I have hope in, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And you might say, well, wait, there, Jeremiah, you just told me about the awful things the Lord did to you. No, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And this word for steadfast is in Hebrew, it's chesed. It's a, a really important word in the Old Testament, but it, it comes over, up over and over again. But it's his steadfast love, his loyal love, his faithful love that he will never reject his people. And yes, he, he disciplined his people, Israel, and, and they, they sinned and sinned and sinned and sinned and ignored um, command over and over again from Jeremiah to repent of their sins. Over and over, they, they just ignored it and never repented. And so he said, okay, finally, we're going to do this and um, brought this about. But, but uh, Jeremiah says, I call this to mind the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. 
So if this love never ceases, why would he treat Israel, why would he treat Judah so harshly there? Well, his harshness must have been within the loyal love of the Lord. There must have been a purpose for it, and it goes back to the idea of, 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 of God disciplining his children as, he, as a, a father disciplines his children. The Lord God disciplines his children. He disciplined his people, Judah, to bring them to rightness with him. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Uh, they are new every morning. You remember um, every morning the people of Israel during their wilderness days, they would go out and they would pick what? Pick up something from the ground. Manna. And every Monday, they would pick enough manna to get them through, till through next Sunday, right? Picked up a whole seven days' worth. It lasted in a jar for seven days, right? Nope. God, God didn't allow that. That would have been efficient. God, don't you care about efficiency? Well, think of that. I could spend just one day picking up, and then I would have the rest of the week. I could go out and pick up sticks for fires, and I could build a house to you know it would be much more efficient but God wanted to to have them do it every day six days a week rather and um, so similarly God's mercies never come to an end but they are new every morning and so you got to get up every morning and enjoy the the mercies the new mercies of God every day and some uh, use that to picture starting your day with some uh, some prayer and some time in the Word of God. That's uh, very reasonable. That's a good, uh, a good way to start your day is with some prayer and the reading of the Word. And uh, every day, just as they picked up their manna six days a week, great is your faithfulness. And, and uh, he might not seem to be piling on uh, mercies enough to last us for the next uh, 100 years, but every single day he gives us new mercies. Pete... Um, Carol is the coach of the greatest, not the best, but the greatest football team in the world, that being the Seahawks, and, um, <laughs> and uh, which is undoubted, you know, we all know. Uh, and, uh, he, but he ends every day, he's not a believer as far as I know, I don't think he is, but he ends every day by making a list of three things he's thankful for on that day. From new things that happened that, that day, that, and um, I hear, I've heard quite uh, quite a number of times from non-Christians saying, "Thankfulness, gratefulness is something we all ought to have." Anyway, uh, and um, to to make note of every day of blessings. Now we've got it so much better because we know where these great things come from. Ultimately, they come from the Lord. Every blessing is from Him, and they are new every morning. We should make Note in our mind, oh, thank you, Lord, for the beautiful weather today. Oh, thank you, Lord, for the rain that we needed so much. Thank you, Lord, for a good night of sleep. Thank you, Lord, for giving me a good bed to sleep in and so on. These new every morning uh, mercies from the Lord. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The, a portion, which is a, a, a piece of land that you can sustain your life 
from that piece of land. When I went to Uganda back in 2005, everybody there had a piece of land, and maybe it was like half an acre, but there their land is extremely um, productive, and you could get by on, I think it was one acre, or maybe it was, uh, maybe it was half an acre. I think it was half an acre that, that you could get by on, grow enough bananas because you'd get quite a, quite a few harvests of bananas every, every uh, year and so on. And, uh, but that was your, your, your portion. The Lord is my portion. He's my piece of land. He's the one I find my hope in. So think theologically when going through suffering uh, remember the character of God, hope in the goodness of the Lord. On Christ the solid rock I stand. Here's a hymn. I was hoping to end, that we would end with this, but I'm, not, I'm taking too long on my sermon. Sorry, Janet. But uh, the cro- my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. When darkness veils his lovely face. I rest on his unchanging grace. That's just like like Jeremiah here. When When darkness veils his lovely face, things looked horrible. I rest on his unchanging grace. I rest on his mercies. They are new every morning. And so think theologically. Think about the character of God. Hope in the goodness of God and wait patiently for the Lord. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. So wait patiently for the Lord. His timing is not the same as our timing. Let him sit alone in silence when it is laid on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes and let him be filled with insults. And so be patient and wait and know that the Lord is acting. Uh, He is working. Think theologically. Think of the character of God. Find consolation and comfort in God's goodness. Verse 31, 4, the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief, he will have compassions according to the abundance of his steadfast love, for he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. Verse 33, he does not afflict from his heart. I'm sure that as God was inflicting through the army of Babylon, he was inflicting Judah with all this terrible stuff that happened in Jerusalem, he was not enjoying it. He does not afflict from his heart. He would rather not send anyone to hell. He would rather everyone be saved, and he made provisions for that. But for all who believe, but he who does not believe, the wrath of God remains on him. For he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. So we can think of the character of God and then communicate with God when, when you're going through uh, difficulties. Oh, excuse me, I've missed the last one. God is not unjust to crush underfoot all the prisoners of the earth to deny a man justice in the presence of the Most High, to subvert a man in his lawsuit, the Lord does not approve. So even though 
um, unjust things happened with um, Judah. The Lord does not approve of a lack of justice. Who has spoken? And it came to pass unless, unless the Lord had commanded it. Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that good and bad come? Why should a living man complain, a man, about the punishment of his sins? Why should we complain if the Lord disciplines us? Why should we complain, we mere mortals? Well, think theologically. Think of the character of God as we go through difficult times. And communicate to God. As we go through difficult times, let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. So we confess our sins, we apologize and turn away from our sins, lift up our hearts and hands to God in heaven. So here we see an idea of of, uh, prayer and praise to him. We have transgressed and rebelled and you have not forgiven. You have wrapped yourself with anger and pursued us killing without pity. You have wrapped yourself with a cloud so that no prayer can pass through. You have made us scum and garbage among the peoples. That sounds a little like complaining, doesn't it? And yet you see, if you read the Psalms, you see a number of those sorts of Psalms where it's kind of like complaining. Well, God already knows your thoughts, so you might as well express them to him. But I would urge doing so in a respectful manner. He is still the Lord God, and all of our communication to him must be in a respectful, reverent manner. But you do see Jeremiah, as you see with David as well, some complaints stated in a respectful manner. But communicate to the Lord. Um, And... I'll go down to verse 56. I called on your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea. Do not close your ear to my cry for for help. You came near when I called on you. You said, do not fear. And so as we go through tough times, remember the character of God and communicate to the Lord God. We do see some principles here of Israel's um, affliction. I won't go into all of that, but that's from Charles Dyer um, from um, Dallas Seminary. And on the right, uh, I didn't even talk about what this was. Uh, This was fascinating, and um, I would encourage this. You might find this to be fascinating reading and um, comparing Deuteronomy 28 to what happened in the book of Lamentations. And you'll remember in Deuteronomy chapter 28, there's blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience for the nation of Israel, for God's chosen people. For that nation, they have that promise. We don't have that, this same promise. Um, and you see it happening. Just Isn't that something? God does what he says. And uh, that's both an encouraging and a scary thought. God does what he says, and so we better be right with him. Think theologically. Remember the character of God. Uh, as In our struggles, place our hope in our faithful and our merciful, our loving, our sovereign, uh, our sovereign God. Let's close in prayer. Dear Father, we thank you. Thank you that you are a God who fulfills your promises. Remind us, Father, that you are a God who fulfills your threats as well. 
your warnings. Let us not take you or your word lightly. Let us not take lightly the fact that you hate sin and the fact that, that we sin frequently. Lord, let us do so less, less frequently. Turn our hearts away from sinful desires, sinful habits, sinful uh, practices, sinful ways of thinking. Turn our hearts to living lives of godliness and holiness, to living lo the lives you have for us. Help us to hate sin like you do. Father, when we're going through struggles, whether it's maybe it's struggles that uh, we, we bring about or struggles that just happen uh, in this crazy fallen world, when we're going through struggles, Lord, please remind us to hope in you, to remember your character, your awesomeness, your power, your goodness, your unfailing love, your loyal, loving kindness, and remind us to trust in you and to trust in who you are. And so we thank you for, for who you are. We thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus. We thank you for salvation through him. We thank you for the, uh, the Holy Spirit living inside of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.